Good morning, good morning, good morning. How y'all doing? Good, it's all right. Now, now this is my third time preaching here now. We done, we done worked before on talking back to me. Y'all acting brand new now. I act like I ain't been here two other times. Y'all just recited the Apostle Creed, so I know that y'all got some call and response in the house. Amen. It's so good to be here this morning. Let me start my time before I be in here an hour. Don't want that. It's good to be here this morning. You know, I was uh, driving down the road this morning. I was just thinking about your pastor, uh, Brother David. And I was just so grateful uh, for this brother. You know, nowadays, rarely do you find brothers uh, who are in ministry Uh, who already have their church established, uh, who already trained up, and are humble enough, and it's not a joke, uh, or whatnot, I'm just being being serious, uh, or whatnot, who are humble enough uh, to befriend brothers and sisters and uh, still seek uh, to learn as as you're already in ministry. So I think uh, it, it, it's, it's good that we just take some time and just give a hand clap for my brother David. He didn't, he, he didn't tell me to do that. So David, that cost you five more minutes on my sermon. Uh, I got five more minutes. I got five more minutes. If you would, I would love for you to join me in Mark chapter nine this morning. The Gospel of Mark and the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. This morning, I would like us to focus on this topic of the crisis of chaos. The crisis of chaos. I want you to meet me in verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, that is Jesus, they were immediately overcome with awe and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And then ask your disciples to cast it out. But they could not do so. He answered, you faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, verse 22, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us. And help us. 
Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he was able to stand. There is a crisis of chaos, but Jesus. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their fault, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner. To rebuild the nations, to bring bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. Let us pray. Oh, God, we thank you just for this time that we are able to gather around your word this morning. We do not count it lightly that it is this day, in this moment, in this present time that we have found ourselves gathered around your word. Lord, we have come from various situations. Some of us have entered the building hurt and broken and busted and disgusted. But we know that if we can just come into the house of the Lord, gather among the people, hear the word preached, Lord, we know that it will be all right. And so, Lord, we gather today, right now, in this moment, asking that you will speak. For your people are listening. It's in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. The nation is in chaos because the nation has always been in chaos. This is how Bree Newsom, uh, who's a speaker and an activist who's no stranger to Columbia. Um, if you know about the Confederate flag my, uh, uh, that came down. She said that the nation is in chaos because the nation has been in chaos. She was looking into this American experience that we find ourselves in today. Now, whatever we believe about America or whatever we believe about our situation, if any word describes our day in this present moment uh, at the struggle of race, religion, power, chaos, It's fitting. You know, such language rubs us wrong because we have been well schooled in the uh, uh, university of American exceptionalism. Chaos seems foreign to us. This is not only true for us right now and in this moment, but it is also true for the larger world that we find ourselves in. 
Headlines for today read Sudan, 19 dead. As violent protests continue for the 10th day. Deadly bombs strike tourist bus. Earthquake shapes the Philippines. Indonesia, 430 confirmed dead. Thousands displaced. Chaos. And you know, in this season that we have just entered out of and find ourselves in right now called Advent is a time for us to really deeply reflect on what it means for the church of Jesus Christ as the liberated and reconciled community uh, uh, of the Lord Jesus, what it means for us to live wherever we find ourselves. And that place is chaos. Fleming Rutledge in her book Advent says that this time, this season, most uh, 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 it, it, it is the most important season uh, that mirrors our daily lives as Christians. It is in this season that is not for the faint of heart. It is in this moment that we are able to enter in and reflect on the anguish and the pain and the hopelessness that are all around us. She says that it is this moment that we are Paul to Paul. To sit still and to look into darkness. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore all, not just the individual, but the interpersonal. Not just the interpersonal, but institutional. Not just the institutional, but the societal. Not just the societal. But the cultural, not just the cultural, but the cosmic is touched by this conundrum of chaos. And you know, it is in this moment that we find ourselves in the text right now. We find ourselves in the crisis of chaos in the valley. There's this man who has a son who has a condition that he has had since he was a little boy. And he finds himself in this moment of crisis. He has tried all he can. He has prayed all he can. He's tried to make sense of all that he can of the young boy's situation that he finds himself in. And he has heard evidently of the power and the person of Jesus. He's heard of the healings that we ourselves are able to look into in the gospel of Mark. But there seems not to be any balm in his Gilead. There seems to be no purpose for his pain. There seems to be no power for his predicament. Our brother finds himself much like the blues men of the 20th, of the early 20s. Where he's singing his lonely song, my burden so heavy I can't hardly see. Seems like everybody is down on me. You know, though some suggest that 
and rightly so, that this young boy finds himself with the condition called epilepsy, uh, one of the things that's very clear is that this is no ordinary situation. Uh, We are able to look into this situation and see that the father proclaims that there is a spirit that is at work in his son that makes him unable to speak. What we are seeing right here is that human life, that precious life, is being destroyed by a power that he has no control over. And in the last strand of hope, much like that movie that Denzel Washington found himself in, John Q., in the last strand of hope, he has brought his son. Imagine, just just imagine this, this situation he finds himself in. His own little baby boy, whom he loves, is having a condition that he has no control over. And he, in this last moment of hope, finds himself at the feet of his disciples and they have no power for his predicament. And much more than that, as if the situation couldn't get worse. After disciples have failed. They find themselves arguing about theology. They find themselves arguing about why they couldn't do it, why they couldn't do it. Find themselves arguing about what's going on in this situation, trying to argue themselves out of their mess. And the crisis not only for the man, the crisis is for the disciples. And not only the crisis for the disciples, much more than that, the crisis is now for the very name and the power of the Lord Jesus himself. Don't get it twisted right here. The name of Jesus is now called into question. Oh, teacher, you don't you we, we don't we don't heard from social media how you don't took care of them people over there. We done seen the viral tweets and the videos of how you done healed out these demon possessed people. We done seen how you done made the blind see and the lame walk. We done seen how you done went from town to town. But now, Lord Jesus, why can't you come into my room and see about me? You know, isn't this a sad commentary on the church today? Sometimes our weakness has people asking questions and wondering about the power of God. You're doing all this praying, but nothing's happening. You're doing all this arguing and fussing about theology. All this fussing about Social justice and the gospel. All this fussing about who does this and who does that, who's in and who's out. Well, guess who's still in their predicament? The father and his boy. You come into church all the time, but as Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King so profoundly put it, 11 11 o'clock today is still the most segregated hour in America. You say that Jesus is Lord, but you're still politically and denominationally divided. You having your coffee with Jesus and John Piper. 
I know I'm speaking to somebody in here that did this week. But the world is still sitting in darkness. Your life has been connected to Jesus, but you are not connecting to where Jesus is connected. And this man brings his son here in this moment, in this text that we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in this crisis in the valley where the man comes to the disciples and he just wants them to do something about his situation. And it is this moment that finally Jesus and the disciples come down off that mount of transfiguration. We read it earlier in verses 1 through 13 about the disciples up uh, on the mountain and the transfiguration that happens where the 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 glory and the majesty of Jesus are able to be seen and beheld by those three brothers. And, and, And Moses and Elijah appears to Jesus. This is no ordinary moment. This is a moment that is... Uh, 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 the realization of this is who he is, you should listen to him. But Jesus, it's time to go down to the valley. And Peter, Peter, Peter says, you know, Master, there, there, there's no reason for us to, 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 to go down there. Lord, Lord, let us stay up here. Let, let, let us make the church for Moses and, and set up the church of Jesus and let us set up the church of Elijah and these tabernacles for him, for them. Let, let us stay up here. But Jesus is not content in staying on the mountain. Jesus is is saying, you know, there is work to be done in the valley. You know, we criticize them, criticize Peter a lot. Peter get a a bad rep sometimes for us, with us. But you you know, you know, Peter is Peter is actually just like us in many ways. You know, you know, we have these mountaintop experiences. We have these sweet times of fellowship. We have these wonderful times of communion. You hear the language that I'm using, right? We we, we are theologizing and systematizing the deep spirituality of the church, but we have no profundity for their predicament. We want to stay up on the mountain. But Jesus says, you know, I know you want to stay up on the mountain, but there's work to be done in the valley. You ought to look to your neighbor and say, I know you want to stay up on your mountain. I look to your neighbor and say, I know you want to stay up on your mountain, but there's work to be done in the valley. I know you can do better than that. Say, I know you want to stay up on the mountain. But there's work to be done in the valley. Now, now, where does Jesus find himself once he gets down in this valley? Jesus finds himself in a controversial situation. Uh, the disciples, we have already heard that, that they can't heal the boy. We, we heard that the father is struggling right now. The father's in an emotionally, psychologically, uh, 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 a spiritually tough time. And Jesus asked that profound question, what in the world is going on? It's like Marvin Gaye, what's going on down here? 
What, 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 what's going on down here, brothers and sisters? What, what, what's the matter? You know how mom and daddy say, you got a little baby. What's the matter? What's the matter? going? What's going on down here? And the man shared his situation. He says, with what little faith he has, that Jesus, teacher, in verse 17, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down to the ground, and he foams and grinds his teeth. Ask your disciples, but they couldn't do nothing. I done tried all I can. I've come to the end of my rope. I've come to the end of my vitality. I've come to the end of my prayers. And he says, Lord, if you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Lord, you know, I do, I do believe. You know, I believe in your power. I heard those stories. I do believe, Lord. If you can do anything, Lord, help me. I'm at the end of my rope right now, Lord. I done been hurt by your church. I done been hurt by friends. I'm in this situation right now when my back is against the wall. Lord, I need you to help me. My children are acting up at home. I need you to help me. Things are going down in the society that I just don't like and I'm angry. I need you to help me. Yeah, I'm black and angry. I am. I need, Lord, you to help me. And the man in this moment says, Lord, help my unbelief. It's a beautiful honesty that we see in this moment. You know, brother right here, he could have been Chuck the Deuces. Oh, Chuck the deuces. Uh, exit the situation. <laughs> he could. He could have been. Council Christmas. But the brother finds himself staying, waiting, hastening, with what little faith he has. He says, help my unbelief. And Jesus in verse 23 says, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. You know, on the other side of the if, Jesus is the but Jesus. Let me, let me say that one more time. I want you to really get it down in your spirit today. On the other side of the if Jesus is the but Jesus. 
You know, in verse 27, we see in this moment, uh, we, 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 we see Jesus entering into this situation in, in the early verses, coming down off the mountain, uh, inquiring about the predicament that he finds himself in. There is a if statement that is a reality, but there's, there is a but Jesus that is embodied in this present moment. There is a if you can do it, if you can come through, if you can make a way, if you can heal my boy is now answer with the but Jesus is here in this moment and I want you to know today that sometimes we get to a place where we try and where we say if Jesus can work it out if Jesus can make a way in this moment we have a risen Lord who is the but Jesus to our present predicament come on somebody I'm preaching today I'm preaching for you I'm giving you something good if Jesus can do it is answer with the reality of the person you don't got no abstract principle that doesn't fail you you don't got no argument that doesn't fail you you got the person and the work and the majesty wrapped up in flesh right now in this present moment can I get an amen can Jesus get an amen Because I'm preaching Jesus. You know, in this moment, Jesus entered a chaos and brings healing and hope. Now, I'm about done. Let me see. I I only got five more minutes, so I'm going to hurry myself on through. Unless y'all want us to stay in this moment. I can take it ten more minutes if you want. All right. She said, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead today. We, we, we see in this moment, in, in, in these verses right here, uh, uh, between uh, verse 23 and, and verse 29, we see a change in a situation where, 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 where we see the, the darkness that is clouding the, the, in, in, uh, the, the face of the land and the chaotic situations that they find themselves in. And we see the sun of righteousness entering into this place right now. And what does Jesus do in this moment? I just want to give you something very quickly about Jesus. When Jesus enters into this place of chaos, Jesus brings his presence. You know, Jesus could have stayed on the mountain. But Jesus comes down off the mountain and gets into this mess of a situation and enters into the chaos of arguments Uh, The chaos of a crowd, the chaos of even a spiritual warfare that is happening in this moment. Jesus is no spectator from afar. But Jesus enters into this situation to embody the compassion of Jesus and to make the reality of God's compassion credible in the world. Jesus fixed his statement. One preacher say, uh, the brother, if Jesus and Jesus, if him back, the brother say, if you can do it, Jesus say, uh, if you only believe and Jesus comes and brings his presence into this situation. Uh, not only does he, he's enter into the situation uh, in his presence, but also Jesus brings along with him his power. We see Jesus and the demonic, uh, the, the demon having a conversation. The, 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 the Bible says when the demon did what? He saw him. He convulsed the boy. When, when, when the demon saw, he didn't even have to talk to Jesus. 
But when the demons saw the Lord Jesus, oh, brother, know that it was about time for an eviction notice. <laughs> it was about time for him to pack up his bags and go. His time is up with this young brother. So he convulsed this young boy right now in this moment. And Jesus uh, says that you spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you to come out of that boy right now. And it's in this moment that the power and the presence of Jesus is known in the situation. The demon is confronted by power. He has made good of this predicament, but then now his eviction notice is now a reality when the presence and the power of Jesus gets on the scene. And Jesus rebukes the demon and tells him to get out of him. And now the boy is in this moment and everybody is looking at him. He's now convulsed terribly. All on the ground and, and we see in this moment that they said that the boy is What? Dead. This is a hard moment. This this is an ugly, messy moment. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And that brother was able to stand. Jesus lifted him up and he was able to stand. He started the story as a convulsed boy on the ground. People around him arguing about what's going on in the situation. But then enters this man named Jesus. And when Jesus entered the situation, things have changed. Things have happened. And not only do we see the power of Jesus, we also see the purpose of Jesus. What we get in Jesus is that that future that God has inaugurated in the resurrection, that future that one day will be, has now invaded the present. The powers must be defeated. Human life must be made human. Community must be created. Social situations must be changed. Individuals, life must be transformed. We get in this moment the kingdom of God, the reality of God embodied in the presence and the power and the work of Jesus. Let me see how I'm I'm doing on time. And it's in this moment where the father And the boys start in darkness and they end in the light. See, the disciples had presence, but they had no power. They had argument, but they had no witness. They had passion, but they had no purpose. See, when you encounter Jesus in this moment, you don't just get the presence of Jesus. You get the power of Jesus. And you don't just get the power of Jesus. You get the purpose of Jesus. They have come in contact with human power. Probably came in contact with 
medical power. They even came in contact with rhetorical power and even demonic power. But there's one more power missing from this picture. They came in contact with Jesus's power. And when they came in contact with Jesus's power, things started and things did change. He was able now to stand. And isn't this a picture of the redemptive and liberating work of the Lord Jesus in the gospel? <clears throat> the Lord Jesus doesn't just sit up in heaven unconcerned by the reality of earth. But the Bible so beautifully declared that God loved, so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son And in this moment, the powers that be uh, had had crucified Jesus. And they sending out their tweets saying, we won and we got victory. And the other powers start sharing their tweets and viral and their their tweets went viral. But they forgot that that the king had one more move. The Lord Jesus went down on a Friday night. And now he's sitting in the silence of Saturday. But early one Sunday morning, Jesus got up with all power in his hands, with resurrection power, with healing power, with transforming power. And now he calls us into this power, this fellowship in the chaos to make a reality in our world, to make true in our world. The power of Jesus. And I'm closing. Now as those who have been redeemed by Jesus, we carry on the ministry and the mission that Jesus established in his own life and witness. Now as those who've been crucified with Christ and risen with him, we, we are that fellowship creating reality in the world. Now we participate with what God is doing in the world. Because the resurrection was an event that took place in our world, so should the continual resurrection power be a reality felt within our world. Jürgen Moltmann says that whenever we do this, we can no longer put up with reality as it is. We don't just seek to argue with everybody. But we suffer against it and contradict it. That's why this hope of resurrection power, this hope of healing, this present power and purpose of Jesus is a constant disturbance to human society. Because the church, as the redeemed community of God, We take this witness. We embody the presence of Jesus. We embody the power of Jesus. And we embody the purpose of Jesus in the world today in real, concrete, material ways.
We preach good news, not just of the individual's salvation to heaven, but of a cosmic reality that invades the earth, that finds its end in the heaven, the new heaven and new earth. We go out and we do acts of social justice because they bear witness to the reality that life is not the way that God intended it to be. And that God sets us in this world to bear witness to the reality of the way it will be. We create community. Wherever life is dehumanized and marginalized, we seek to bring to bear the reality of God's compassion in the world. And along the way, we have the promise of Jesus that, lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. So brothers and sisters, in our moment of chaos, let's embody the presence, the power, and the purpose of Jesus in our world today. Amen? Amen. I'm done. (laughs) Oh, can I pray? Lord, we thank you just for this day, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in this time. Lord, allow us to realize that when you step into the scene, things change. And Lord, you give us the power to bear witness to your reality in this world. So help us do that. Allow us to become a praying people. Allow us to become a worshiping people. A fellowship creating people. Bearing witness to the reality of the reign of God in real concrete ways. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.